Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. If you weren't here last week, let me ask you one question that Pastor Jacob asked last week. And it's very simple. And it's this, who's excited, okay, that 2020 is actually over? Come on. Okay. That was okay, but who's really excited that 2020 is over? And it's not coming back. You can't like go backwards. I keep waking up going, is it going to be 2020 again? Is it 20? And, and, and though it may sometimes scare us as we look at the news or on Facebook or whatever it is, we're going, it feels like 2020. Don't you say those words again. Don't you say those names, 2020. It's not coming back because 2020, how many know? It felt like one storm after another. From COVID to social unrest to governmental issues to financial issues, we had devastating hurricanes here. And then to top it all off, the icing in the, on the cake, the cherry on top were murder hornets, right? <laughs> murder hornets. Just the name alone just evokes fear. And what's so crazy about this is that 2020 shook us all. Listen, no one was in a bubble, right? I don't care if you were Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, the guy on the corner, or you're a Christian or an atheist, the storm rained upon everybody. It rained upon everybody. And I want to ask you a question this morning, and I want you to begin to ponder it. Because as we look back at 2020, we can go, man, it was such a tough year, so chaotic, so crazy. We shook, but I want you to ponder this question. What if, listen to me here, what if God had a bigger purpose for 2020? What if the storm after storm after storm wasn't just so it rained and just so the floods came and the fierce winds came? What if God had a purpose? What if the shaking was to show us something? You know, there's a story in Matthew chapter seven where we see Jesus ending his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And he's there and he tells the very end, he tells another story about two men. If you've been in, been in church for long, you know this story about two people and they built a house. Both of them built a house and both of them had storms come, fierce winds, rain and floods. We know all about that in South Louisiana, don't we? And the storm blew and everything came around. But the only difference between the two is the foundation. Because what happened in the story was the one who built on the rock stood firm. The one who built on sand collapsed and fell flat. What if 2020 wasn't a rotten year, but a revealing year? Think about it for a second. Everything that shook in your life, my life, showed us that that foundation wasn't on God. Everything that shook and crumbled and collapsed is because the foundation wasn't upon the rock. It wasn't solid foundation. And what's interesting is this, 
is that if an atheist and a Christian both went through the same storm, you would think a Christian could stand on the solid rock. But we saw this year that even the Christian saw that their foundation was actually sinking sand. And so we need to, as we go into 2021, we're here to take a look at what that foundation is really built upon and what we're building upon. Because everything that was shaken wasn't built upon God. And in this series, Unshakable Foundation, we want to help you remove all the things in your life that are not built upon the rock. All those things that have been shaken. Because we want to help you build an unshakable foundation. You know, one thing that I love being in South Louisiana is we love our sports, don't we guys? Come on. We love our sports. We love our local teams, whether it's LSU, UL, the Saints. Come on, who that nation? We're here in full of force. Uh, so some of y'all, I have one guy, he goes, I'm wearing my Saints shirt underneath this, you know, and he's covering it up. And I was like, it's okay. You can come into the house of the Lord with the Saints. It's all holy, right? And so we're, we're fanatic and I realized how passionate people were uh, here in South Louisiana when, when I moved down here almost seven years ago and, and we got here and we, I signed my, my, my son up for flag football and he's little and these are like, you know, five-year-olds old at the time and, and I go out there and, and, uh, and, and it's crazy how much we love sports and get into it because as I go out there, I'm thinking like, oh, they're just going to learn about sports. It's going to be real fun, you know, teamwork. And like the dads literally thought they were Sean Peyton out there. And I loved him and it was great. But like one, I saw one dad, he was like high stepping with this kid yelling, go, go, go. I mean, like the dad was getting more of a workout. The son wasn't even that happy that he scored a touchdown. And the dad's like throwing him up, like, yeah, spiking the ball for him. And we, we see this passion begin to exude. And it's not just in football. It's really in all sports. I mean, you could see it with baseball and t-ball. And we just love sports around here. We love activity. We are so passionate. And there is absolutely nothing Nothing, nothing wrong with that. And we're even so passionate. We're so passionate for our saints. I know we're cheering them on today. And, and, and I love that I got to play for them. People come up to me today, just like still crying. Man, I love you. You're great. Thank you for doing what you did. You know, and, and it's just, everybody's so passionate about it. And what's interesting as a pastor is I get to see people. And I know some of you. I get to see people, how they act on Sunday morning and how they act on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> you know, they walk into the house of the Lord and they're like, God bless you, God bless you. I'm like, Larry, you've never been that quiet before. And it's almost like a, a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde that we see there that all of a sudden they change and they morph into something new that, that at 3.30 today, we all know you're going to have everything ready. You're going to have the wings, the chips, everything ready. And you're going to be ready. You're going to be there 30 minutes before ready. You're going to be ready to go, ready to jump up and cheer. And yet some of us are walking in with the sleep in our eyes, still, still like walking out going, hi, Pastor, how's it going? I, I was blessed enough to play for the saints. And let me make a declaration that I'm, I'm sure they would agree with. The saints didn't save your soul. I love Sean, I love Drew. They didn't die on a cross for our sins. They didn't create heaven and earth. They didn't give you breath to breathe this morning. Yet, 
we put more passion and effort into celebrating the saints than we do into celebrating God Almighty. We're jumping up and down, and I know 3.30 today, I'm going to be the same way. We're going to be jumping up and down and screaming, go saints, and we're going to be yelling at the scream at the refs, right, because they're bad. We know that in the playoffs, especially with the saints, and they're going to be screaming at them. But for some reason, we come into church and we think we're like, I have to be reverent before God as always. And we think it's this, this holy reverence. Let me explain something to you that's very clear. You can be reverently excited about Jesus this morning. You can stand in awe of him because reverence isn't you're quiet and meager. Reverence is a posture of the heart. And if it's a posture of the heart and you want to celebrate Jesus, you can shout it out for him. You can raise your hands for him. And also, you can sit quietly and worship him. But we see that there's this passion, there's this passion in us that when we come to church, for some reason, it changes. And in 2020, I do believe that some of us had our flame just knocked down, snuffed out. Pastor, I used to come to church raising my hands. Now I just, I find it hard to even wake up and come to church. I understand more than you know. But that's why the apostle Paul in Romans 12 tells us, it says, never be lacking zeal. That word zeal means white hot, boiling over. If I asked you today, if somebody sat down with you and just goes, hey, are you white hot boiling over for Jesus? What would that answer be? And then if that is the case, if you go, yes, then shouldn't it boil over into everything that we do, even when we, especially when we come to church? Because it should be boiling over. It's like a love being in love for the first time. You want to tell everybody about that love. And so Paul tells us, keep your spiritual forever serving the Lord. I love how the message version says it. Here's what it says. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit. Let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. I believe we have Christians should be the most passionate people on the planet. We should be the most passionate. Hold on a second. Not on Facebook. I wish some of us would carry the excitement on Pat and passion on Facebook into this room. We're very vocal there because it's a behind a keyboard. But when Catherine or Pastor David or, or Trey asks you, hey, raise your hand, you're going, uh, I'm not gonna raise my hand. You see, the passion, if it's there, it will boil over into a way that is truly, truly excited about who God is. And I believe 2020 is over, 2021 is here, and God wants to reignite the foundation of passion in your life. He wants to reignite the passion in your life. He wants to reignite the passion in your life, and it could be a foundation for us to build upon. Look, I understand the struggle. Some of us here, depending on how you were raised, depending on what you've experienced, maybe you're here and you're going, I have a tough time believing that 
that Jesus was excited, that he was passionate. I never saw Jesus go, woo, in worship service. I never saw him raise his hands. That's not in scripture, pastor. We, we say all those things and we're going, I have a hard time. And I think it's because of what Western culture has done to Jesus. I think we have, uh, we've dumbed Jesus down to a wimpy, white, passionless person. Amen? I mean, let's just be realistic. I, I was, the other day, I was at a gas station restaurant. So weird to say that, but I was there at a gas station restaurant. And I'm there eating amazing food. And this gas station wasn't just a gas station. It was a stop you could get even artwork for your house which I don't even think that's his gas station anymore. But, but it's, like, it's, a, it's like Home Depot all over. And you're going in there and I'm looking at it and I'm just walking through the aisles and I see, I guess, I don't know what to call it, the home goods section. I don't know what to call it in the gas station. And there were pictures of Jesus that you could hang on your wall. I'm like, this is awesome. They have pictures of Jesus here I can buy. And every single picture I saw and walked by, it was like Jesus had this like sunken in face and like not a smile, not a smirk, but like not mad at you, just enough to let you know, are you being good? It was like, he was like this, he was like. <laughs> right, this was like this weird Jesus face. And then he had like, all, all the pictures had his hands up. I'm not sure why Jesus always had his hands up, but people think, but he did. But they were never like in a cool posture. They were, they were always like in this like sea claw. They're like, <laughs> it's like, please, sir, may I have some porridge? You know, and we, we, we think it's like, oh, okay. And, and we're looking at this, but this is the way that we see Jesus. It's the way that we see Jesus as this wimpy, white, passionless, like, hopefully you'll come to me, maybe, you know, come and worship me. And we see this time and time again through the way that we portray it because we don't see how passionate he was about his heavenly father. He was passionate about the things that God was passionate about. I want to show you something in John chapter 2 because I think it's going to be interesting for us to see really how passionate he was. And some people don't like this story. This is probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I'm a, if you can't tell, I'm a very passionate person. And I really, this is one of my favorite moments because I, th I think we see Jesus in a way that we don't ever see him again in the gospel. John chapter 2 says, In the temple area, he, that's Jesus, saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. This is in the temple. This is in the temple. And Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. And he drove out the sheep, the cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over their tables. Verse 16, then going over to the people who sold the doves, he said, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume him. Now we see Jesus in a way right here that we've never seen him before. White hot boiling over passion. Some people say that, oh, that's where Jesus sinned. He was like turning over tables. You see, there's a difference between anger and righteous anger. We want you, listen to me. God wants us to hate the things that he hate and love the things that he love and get angry at the things that he gets angry at. That's righteousness. And so we see Jesus here in the most amazing way. And it said, passion for his father's house will consume him. 
Mark tells a different story in his gospel. He ends it a little bit differently where he says this in verse 17. He says, he said to them, the scriptures declare that my temple will be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Somewhere along the way, the people in the temple lost what it was all about. Somewhere along the way, they decided to make it more about them and less about God. And we see Jesus come in the most unique way possible to go ahead and snuff out everything that wasn't of God. And he did it with passion. I don't believe he went in there and flipped tables and was like, okay, just please get out. Please, you get out. Please, you get out. Would you please move out, move, right? He wasn't saying that. He was driving them out. He was flipping tables. He was making sure that he was gonna return, watch this, and restore what the ultimate purpose of the temple was. 2021 is a year where we rebuild the foundation upon an unshakable foundation of passion that the world can be falling apart around us and we will stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. We're going to return to our passionate love for God. So Pastor Chris, how do I do that? I want to give you three things. Three things you can write down to build a, a, a passionate foundation for Jesus. Number one, we got to do what Jesus did. we got to flip the tables. <laughs> now, I'm not talking physically, okay? Don't go flipping tables. Pastor Chris told me to do it, you know? I don't want you flipping tables in your house, right? It's about changing your mindset. We have to turn over our mind, that's why Paul says in Colossians 3, he says, set your minds not on the things above, I mean, not on the things above, not on the earthly things. He's saying, flip over your mind. Flip over your mind and change it to the way that God sees because that's what he wants. And we see this in scripture as Jesus flipped over these tables of these money changers. Now, you might be going, oh man, I want to be a money changer in church. Yeah, you don't want to be that one because these people were there and in the temple, you would bring your sacrifice. Now, this sacrifice you would take before God because it was uh, the Mosaic law that you would go and bring a sacrifice. But travelers would come from all around Judea, come to Jerusalem, and they wouldn't have a sacrifice. They wouldn't be able to carry it. So what they would do is they would go to these money changers and they would purchase doves and pigeons, different sacrifices. And these money changers would charge crazy amounts of money, crazy amounts of money so that they could make sure that they made theirs while ripping off somebody else. And what's unique about this story is that the money changers were doing religious things. They were doing religious things to get, never to give. How many of us come to church and we come to church to get and never to give? You're going, do you want my money? I, I don't want your money. I'm talking about your heart, your passion. You see, that's what Jesus wants. But how many times do we walk into church and it becomes about checking off a box? It becomes about, about literally coming in going, what? I hope the pastor has a good word for me. I hope I walk out with some notes. If I don't, I'm gonna walk by him and not even fist bump him. <laughs> 
But when we flip our mind and we go, it's not about that we have to go to church, it's we get to go to church. It's not about, hey, it's a duty for me, it becomes a delight to have it. When the mindset flips, we become not consumers, but contributors. We don't become passive, we become passionate. You see, I love seeing the mindset flip in people because it almost flips like a switch. Because it's almost like they realized how much God loves them, how much he cares for them, how much they gave to him. And then they, all of a sudden things change. And, and Ricky, who you saw, who was just like in church, like this is like, I love Jesus now. Yeah. And it becomes this, whoa. Because we'll walk into church and we'll just kind of, just gonna be here. Sounds great, Catherine, you sound great. Worship sounds awesome. But I don't wanna sway too much. But if I lift my hands, they'll think I'm weird. And we let the opinions of others snuff out the passion that God's trying to ignite. We let our neighbor, when they're thinking the same thing, we, we let our neighbor just like, just, oh, I'm just gonna stay here. And some of y'all, some of you guys is right here. You're just, your hands are right here during worship. Because you don't want, you want to do it, but you don't want anybody to see you're doing it. Right? You're just down here, and some of y'all are medium height. And, and some of y'all, and Pastor David said, uh, he said, lift your hands. Some of you go, do I have to? <laughs> but shouldn't our posture be, we get to lift our hands? Look, I'm not saying you have to be excited like me. What I'm saying is there should be a boiling over, but you got to flip your mind in order to do it. You have to begin to change the way you think. We have to flip it over to not go, I have to go to church, but I get to go to church. And I understand how much we want to hit the snooze button. I did it this morning about three times. And then I go, oh yeah, I need to get up right now. We want to do it, but we pull ourselves out because God gave us the greatest gift and I'm going to go give him all I got. And I know when I give him all I got, I'm going to give him praise, adoration. I'm going to stand and clap and cheer because when I give, guess what? I'm going to get in return. And I'm going to give because we're going to receive from God because he's a good father. He will never let you go empty-handed out here when you give of yourself. He just won't. So we don't need to hold back. We need to have more passion to flip the tables in our lives. We don't want to be consumer Christians, but sacrificial servants. We want, I'm telling you, we want to be sacrificial servants, not consumer Christians. Because when we flip it, Paul said, here's what you're gonna get. In Romans eight, he says, the mindset, you wanna have a mindset of the flesh? You're gonna get what? You're gonna death. But if you have a mindset controlled by the Holy Spirit, you're gonna get life and peace. Meaning when you give to the spiritual, when you give adoration to God, you're gonna get life and peace overflowing you. Some of us are so worried about what the world is happening because we've taken our eyes off of God and we've put them on the world. And we're so worried. We have no peace, we have no life, we have no passion anymore. And we've become apathetic to the amazing God that we serve. And I believe in 2021, he is calling us out to flip the tables in our mind so we can pursue him with everything that we have. So here's, here's what we need to say. I want more of God and less of me. Say that with me. More of God, less of me. Say it. More of God, less of me. 
That's what it is. When I come to church, I want more of God, less of, less of Pastor Chris, less of Pastor, less of Pastor Jacob. I want less of myself. I want more of you, God. I'm coming to give adoration and praise because you deserve it. And I want to be set on fire, white, hot, boiling over. I don't care if anybody else sees it or if everybody else sees it. I'm going to be white, hot, boiling over. White, hot, boiling. We don't need to just flip tables. Number two, we need to do this. We need to drive out the things that shouldn't be there. You know, what's interesting is, is here in South Louisiana, when I moved down about seven years ago, we have the strangest bugs and lizards in the world, I believe. And they're everywhere. And my, my wife doesn't necessarily like those things. Um, and especially when they get into the house, okay? And then I remember a couple months back, um, I hear a, She's shrieking, and I was like, I ran over. Hey, is everybody okay? The kids okay? She's like, yeah. I opened the door, and a lizard jumped in, and it's crawling up the wall. And so I'm like, oh, gosh. So I'm getting a broom, and I'm, I'm beating it down, trying to shoo it out. Watch this. I'm trying to drive it out of my house because though I don't mind lizards, listen to me, they don't belong in my house. Some of us have lizards in our lives that we need to drive out that don't belong there. And we see Jesus in this most amazing way. He says this, he goes, I got, I love this. I got rope and I got some whip. I made a whip. I love that part that Jesus actually like thought about it for a while. He like was there braiding it and he's going, y'all about to get it right now. <laughs> don't even wait. You, you're changing money. Wait for me over there. I'm, I can't wait. It's like a, it's like a daddy getting his belt out. Like I can't quite get it out yet. You know? But if I do, and, and you see Jesus in this most amazing way, driving out those things that don't belong in the temple. And Hebrews 12 tells us, it said, you need to throw off, throw out, drive out everything that hinders you from the purpose, the plan, and the passion of God. Drive it out. Throw it off. Get rid of it. Push it away. Because it wasn't supposed to be in the temple. You know, it reminds me of a story in Matthew 8. Where we see Jesus. And he's walking by a town. And, and a demoniac comes to him. Two demonic men. And they, they walk to him. And the demons even ask him through the man. They say, are you here, son of God, to torture us before your time? And so they beg Jesus. said, please, let us go out. Drive us out into these pigs. That are, that are in the town. Drive us out into these pigs. So the story goes that Jesus said, yes, you can go into the pigs. And he drove the demons out to the pigs. And the pigs, if you know the story, they ran down the bank and they were right there and they drowned themselves in the lake. What's interesting about that story is if you know anything about the Jewish people, is that pigs were considered vile and unclean. Yet, these Jews were all around pigs. Unclean, vile things were there. And even Jesus drove the demons out and drove those unclean things out. What pigs in your life do you need to drive out that are squealing for your attention, distracting you from what God wants to do with you? They're squealing, calling, and they're occupying space in your life that was always and will forever be meant for God. That Facebook button 
keep squealing at you. Just hit me. Just tap me. Just tap me. Just tap me. Just tap me. Some of us, let me say this, all of us probably need to drive out Facebook. Just going to be very clear with you. Some of you are here thinking, watch this. You're thinking, there's no way I could do that because it's a real addiction. Whether it's Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or whatever it is, we need to drive it out. That's space that God wants to occupy, that God wants to have that territory, but we're distracting ourselves with the things that aren't God and we're wondering why our fire is so little for God. Little for God. We gotta drive it out, but not just that. Number three is we need to declare. Everybody say declare. Declare God's direction and purpose for your life. The Bible tells us that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And in 2020, you may have felt like that, you know, it was pretty obvious the enemy was there to kill, steal, and destroy. And maybe some point in 2020, you felt like that your dreams were killed. You lost a job, a dream job, an opportunity fell through. Maybe in 2020, you felt like your faith was stolen. The church closed down, so I got nowhere to go. And we relocated our faith to a building and not to the person of Jesus. Or, or, or maybe your hope in humanity, your hope in the government, your hope in your finances were crushed and destroyed. But let me fill you in on on what really is true. That's what the enemy does. He cannot take your soul away from heaven. He cannot take your salvation. But listen to me. He can hinder you from the purposes of God and from enjoying and having passion for his presence. He can take that and he can distract you time and time and time and time again and he will shake your foundation and try to kill, steal, and destroy everything you once believed. It's the reason Jesus didn't come into the temple and just flip tables and drive out everyone. He restored it to his original purpose. He said, this house will be a house of prayer. Too many times we, we get rid of things in the new year and then we, we go ahead and we try to change our mind, but we never declare a direction and purpose for our life. We always just like, I just, I just wanna look better or I just wanna get better. It needs to be a direction that is founded upon what God wants for our lives because the enemy does not know the plans God has for you. That's why he says in Jeremiah 29, he says, for I know the plans I have for you. Not the enemy, not 2020, listen, not your neighbor, not your mama and them, not your daddy or your friend, not that person who didn't like your Facebook page, that didn't comment on it. I'm telling you right now, only God has the plans for your life. So why are we seeking the world when we should be seeking God? We should be seeking God. We have to declare a direction. This is why I love what Pastor Jacob announced yesterday or last week was these daily declaration cards. Too much of the world is telling you who you are and what you should believe. And they're claiming, mm, they're claiming to be Christians. That's dangerous. When we need to know what the Bible says about us. And this, this card can be picked up right in the back. It's 
Very simple. These are declarations that you declare over your life and they're scripturally found and you're declaring a direction. So watch this. When you flip tables and you change your mind and then you go ahead and you decide, I'm gonna drive out the things that shouldn't be there and then I'm gonna declare that God is gonna be in my life, is gonna be my passion, my hope, my joy in everything that I do. Watch out 2021. Watch out. We have to speak it out though. We have to speak out what our purpose is. The enemy wants to tell you that you have no plan for your life. That God doesn't have a purpose for you. That the world is suffering and that there's nothing else that we can do. That couldn't be further from the truth. God has an amazing plan for your life and an amazing passion to go along with it. We just have to press closer to God and less to the world and we can hear him declaring that. Jesus will never leave you just there. He's always declared a direction for your life. We just have to tap into it. We just have to tap into it. So how do we do that? Help me practically I want to give you a couple things and then we're going to close. Practically, how do we do this? We need more passion for who God is. How do we do that to create an unshakable foundation? Just two things is this, two words, remove and replace. Remove and replace. We see a lot of people remove in the new year. They, they cut out things, but they never replace it with the good things. I'm just going to stop Facebook. That's, that's awesome but we need to replace it with something that's gonna really feed us. And that's what this 21 days of prayer and fasting is all about. It's getting close to God and away from the world so we can hear what he has to say. It's seeking him and not what we want so that we can grow spiritually. Because what you feed grows, what you starve dies. And if you want your flesh to grow, then keep feeding your flesh. But if you want your spirit to grow, you gotta feed the spirit and starve the flesh. You can't do both. One has to grow, the other has to die. And what 21 days of prayer and fasting is really all about that. We wanna seek God and feed our spirit and let this be a catalyst not to get from God. Not, it's like he's not a genie. We're not rubbing the lamp going, I wish I had a Ferrari. I wish I had a Lamborghini. No, God doesn't love me anymore. That's not what it's about. It's about seeking his presence, his purpose, his ways, and we get to see the amazing passion that he fills us with. And so I'm gonna ask you to fast. Fasting is all just hitting the reset button in our souls and, and from the inside out. It renews us and it eliminates distractions for a spiritual purpose. Now, Pastor David told you that as you leave, you're, you're, you can pick up one of these prayer guides, but not only that, it tells you all about the fast, different types of fasting that you can have. So you don't have to write any of this down, but I'm gonna go through them very quickly because I think it's important that you hear them because fasting can be foreign to us. Listen to me, fasting's not about torturing yourself. Well, if I suffer for Jesus, amen, he's gonna bless me. That's not what this is about. This is about you pushing aside the world and putting on more of God. And so you can do, you can do a complete fast, which is just liquids for 21 days, maybe a week, 
two weeks. You can just do just a complete uh, liquids fast. You can do a selective fast, um, which is you're selecting different food groups. Some of y'all are like, I'm going to fast broccoli. I'm just going to, I don't like broccoli anyway. I'm going to fast broccoli. It's the enemy, you know. It's fine. You can, you can fast if you want to fast meats or different other things like that. Um, there's something called the Daniel fast. And it's really what the book of Daniel, what Daniel did in the book of Daniel is he fasted uh, with no meat, sweets, or bread. And so you can just do something like that for 21 days. Or maybe you, you don't want to do those. You want to do a partial fast. And for a lot of us, you work in here. And this partial fast could be really good for us. And if you're new to fasting, is fast one meal for 21 days. Fast one meal, and a lot of y'all don't eat breakfast anyway, so it doesn't even matter. So fast that, fast it. But I would challenge you, maybe fast lunch. Fast lunch. And maybe during that, don't just fast it, just go, I'm hungry and I'm sitting here. What do I do? You pray, you read God's word, you press into him and watch what he does. And the, and the last fast option, which I think we all need to do, is a soul fast. A soul fast. What is that, Pastor Chris? That's social media. That's TV. That could be Netflix. Could be all screens in your life. You want to try to cut it out as much as possible. I'm going to turn off my phone at 3.45 after work. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to delete all my social media apps. I'm going to, we need to cleanse our souls and fast from that. This is not a diet, okay? You're not going, ooh, I wanted to lose weight after the holidays. This is a great chance to kind of fit back into those clothes. A diet changes the way you look, but fasting changes the way you see. Don't go into this going, man, I, I really want to get thin. This is a great way to do No, 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 no. If this is about the way that you look, you're going to miss it. This is about the way that we see. And we want to fix our eyes on Jesus and Jesus alone. We don't want to just remove things. We want to replace it. Here's what we replace it with. Prayer. Well, I, I, that sounds great, Pastor, because I, I just don't know how to do that. That's why we've made it so easy for you to just show up at 6 a.m. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to. It's you show up, and you're going to have the opportunity to sit with God and be with him. We're going to instruct you. We're going to have worship. We're going to have a devo. It's basically worship, word, and then we're going to pray. And it's spending time with God. Cultivate a prayer life. Because if Jesus walked into the temple, flipped tables, drove out the things that shouldn't be there, and then declared, this is going to be a house of prayer. How many know prayer must be pretty important to God then? If it's important to God, it needs to be important to me as a believer. Let's press in. Press into the presence of God for 21 days and watch what he does. I'm just telling you right now, we sang about it today. Our God will never let us down. He will never let us down because he's a good, good father. In Revelation chapter two, we see Jesus speaking to the church at Ephesus. And he speaks to them, and he's so proud of them. He's going, you guys have done amazing. And then right after he kind of gives them a compliment, he just says, but I'm disappointed in one area. He said, you've lost your first love. 
I know this morning, many of you walked in and you've lost your first love. Pastor Chris, you should have seen me one time when I was in youth group, when I was younger, I, I was all in it. I, I went to Bible studies. I raised my hand for worship. But now you lost your first love. 21 days, we're going to return to God. We're going to return to our first love. And we're going to press into his presence like we've never have before. And we're going to see things that we've never seen before. But we have to be willing to step in. To step in. A few months ago, my son saw me with a match as we were trying to light a fire in our fireplace. And I pulled out this big, long match, and he looked at me and realized he's never seen matches before. He goes, Daddy, what's that? I said, oh, this is how we're going to start the fire. And he said, well, how does it get a flame? And I looked at him, and I said, you see this right here? You have to press it real hard and strike it in order for there to be a flame. You want to reignite that flame in your life? You got to press into the presence of God, press into prayer, press into who he is, and you will feel friction because you're colliding with what your flesh wants, but what your spirit needs and you're going to press in and you have to do something uncomfortable like come at 6 a.m. or 9 a.m. on Saturdays, but that strike is going to ignite something special. And then God's going to, be, going to begin to blow on it to feed the flame in your life. But we have to be willing to be pressed up against him to cut off those things that aren't of God. I know for many of you, this is a time that you felt like it was supposed to be a new year, but it feels like the same old year. It's not. It's a new year. But he's the same God as he's always been, and we're going to seek him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as we close? Father, we thank you that your presence is here so apparent. This morning in worship, we just felt your presence like a blanket cover us. And I'm not ignorant to the fact, God, that there are so many here that have lost their first love. And you say, if we just return to you, if we repent and we turn back to you, you'll be the father that we've always wanted and has always needed. So for 21 days, God, we seek you and only you. We deny our flesh, for our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak, God. We deny it. We take up our cross, and we come back to you, Lord. And the enemy is going to have no more footholds in our life. It's not going to continue to condemn us. But I pray now in the Holy Spirit, you begin to draw people back to you, God. Let us return to you with weeping and fasting and mourning. And we know, God, that what we lost will be given back and then some. We thank you for what you're going to do in these 21 days of prayer and fasting, God. 
spur us to a new level that we've never been before. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed this morning, I want to ask you the most important question. It's have you been born again? It's not have you been christened or baptized, joined a church. Those are all great things. It's have you been born again? It's a spiritual transformation that happens from the inside out. And we don't make it happen. We just respond when it happens. And in John chapter three, Jesus said, if you want to see or enter into the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. This morning, I believe that many people were touched by the presence of God. And this is our time of response. And the great part about being born again spiritually is it only happens once just like your physical birthday. And so if you've never been born again and you might be going, pastors, how do I do that? It's as simple as A, B, C, A. We just admit we're sinners in need of a savior. B, believe that what Jesus did for you on the cross was enough. And C, we confess him as Lord and as savior as boss over our entire lives. So maybe that's you in here. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. The prayer doesn't save you, your faith does. But if you're here this morning, you go, Pastor Chris, I've never been born again. I wanna be born again this morning. Would you include me in that born again prayer? I'm not gonna embarrass you. I don't want you to care what your neighbor thinks. This is between you and God. So on the count of three, if that's you, you're just gonna raise your hand and you're saying, I wanna be born again. Include me in that born again prayer. One, it's not an accident that you're here. God knew from the beginning and the foundation of the world that you'd be in this room at this time. Two, he has a special purpose and plan for your life. Three, raise your hand now if that's you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see you, awesome. Anyone else? Thank you, I see you. Anyone, thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you down there. You can put your hands down. Last 10 seconds. If you raised your hand once, you don't ever have to raise it again. But if you're here this morning going, ah, I should have raised my hand. Just want to give you an opportunity. I want you to raise your hand now. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Wonderful. Well, church, with all those that raised their hand, we're gonna all repeat this prayer after me and say it together. Repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me. So I would not have to go and rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Say this with me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together for those that made that declaration to be born again today.